0: Okay, you guys heard that, right?
1: Yeah, sounds like it was coming from right behind you.
0: Not funny,
1: guys. Get it together. We're trying to do a podcast here. Hey, Boos, Welcome back to another episode of Boo Buster's podcast. Today we are going to be discussing the ghosts of Vulture Mine. We haven't done a mine in a long time. I know. That's what I said too love a good
2: mine although i don't particularly care for going down in them i yeah. mean that one that we did in west virginia was cool yeah. but that one at old newgate was not a vibe uh-huh. <laughs> No. that was scary
1: spooky but i think it would be fun to do one of those ones where you like go on a boat down and there. i i wanted to do one of those in kentucky but we didn't
2: yeah that's that would be fun,
1: yeah.
0: I'd probably hyperventilate. Yeah, Loki same, but it would be an experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hyperventilated in the one above ground,
2: the mine, the, New are, Gate. the Newgate one. Yeah,
1: that was a that
2: was different though because that, that was like very close That was Loki a
1: prison too. Yeah. Oof. So it wasn't made for your comfort being down in there. When all I can think about when we talk about minds is like the minor 49er episode of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's some scary shit. <laughs> mm. That one is scary. That's not a part of the original Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Trust me, I would know. <laughs> like the original two seasons? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm. did not know.
2: How's everybody's week going? not great emmy is sick again poor emmy oh she's got that persistent cough
1: and Aww. i had to go back to work this week yeah
0: okay.
1: <gasps> um how's your rate going bobby boo
0: pretty good work goes really good today and that's been the first time in like since i started since it was good that's so. good damn
2: that's that's a little sad <laughs> But good, but it was uh, a good
1: yeah. day. Yeah, how are you, Cookie? I'm okay. I'm decent.
0: Lies. She's got something to say.
2: No, I don't. <laughs> Not right now, actually, I don't. No. For our pre-topic, we're going to watch the Mickey Mouse, it's called Mickey's Mousetrap, I think, trailer, and we're going to discuss it because mickey mouse apparently became public well only, not, steamboat, only oh, willy. The steamboat Willie mickey mouse became public domain literally yesterday so they were on top of that shit Is it the like so-
1: steamboat willy themed one
2: yeah it's like the the. it looks like that mm-hmm. so we're gonna watch the trailer and a bunch it. of other characters became
1: public domain too yesterday.
2: yeah um they must have like a whole fucking big ass list of people that are coming public domain they yeah, do probably.
1: is bobby Oops. gonna pull it up
2: yeah
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, No.
1: (laughs) I think that looks like the stupidest fucking movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag the mouse is out. Okay, Loki, I don't hate it.
0: I'm intrigued.
1: Like it, it can't kind be of,
0: worse than. Winnie it the kind Pooh, of Blood looks Honey. better than
1: that. I like Blood and Honey better than that. Blood and Honey, you could. It was predictable. It's understandable because they're actually p- animals, right? Yeah. This is clearly just a psychopath with a Mickey Mouse
2: costume on. That's what I'm hoping it is. Because if it's like how they tried to do <laughs> Winnie the Pooh Blood Mickey and Honey, then I'm gonna not be about it. Yeah. But if it's like a psychopath with that mask on, then I'm gonna be like,
1: okay, this is also intriguing. Can we discuss? They're, they had to have made this before the yeah thing was up, They obviously. Did. And they were just waiting to drop it. And like, first of all, Disney, that was infringement then. So you could get them for even just filming that then. But you didn't. So that's, that's stupid. stupid. Second of all, that doesn't look like Steamboat Willie. So no. the fact that they just have the face of that Mickey. That looks like the Mickey now. Yeah. I don't know how they're going <laughs> to be able to pass that off. Second of all, it's steamboat willie mickey it's not mickey is out so why? how are they able to call it whatever mickey like how are they able to use mickey's name yeah it's unless it's just mickey mouse that's
2: like trademark yeah
1: i don't know they're mm-hmm. drawing some
2: lines and crossing them a little fucking bit <laughs> but i'm intrigued um Same. other comments no emily's not about it it I'm looks gonna... fucking stupid We all know I love a good stupid
1: movie. And just, why do they have to make everything a horror movie? Like, I love horror movies, but, like, taking a kid's character like that and making it a horror movie doesn't make sense. That's true. Like, what is the motive? What is the storyline here? Right. Like, Bambi, okay, that kind of makes sense. You can make it, like, a rabid deer. Like, Pooh Bear, sure. But Mickey Mouse, like, what the fuck did the happiest mouse do to you? (laughs)
0: i think they also have like a peter pan and wendy one coming out. they do
1: there's a whole bunch of shit
2: coming out based on disney stories because they're all like entering the public domain now
1: and there's nothing disney can do about it anymore Mm -hmm. because they've already they've already lengthened the length of their trademark and there's Like, unless they change the trademark (coughs) laws, there's nothing they can do. And, like, they've already petitioned so many times. Because I was looking it up earlier,
2: and that Steamboat Willie, Mickey one, was supposed to be up in 1984, but they were able to extend it. Yeah, they
1: changed the trademark
2: laws back then. But they Mm. can't do
1: that now. But, yeah. I think it looks fun. I like that it's set in an arcade thing. But why couldn't it just be a normal killer? Why can't it be, why does it have to be Mickey Mouse the killer? Well, I don't know, but I guess we'll find out. When it comes out, I'm
2: not paying to see that. I wouldn't pay to see it either. I would wait until it came out on streaming. Anyways, do we want to get into the history
1: of the vulture mine? The vulture mine located in Maricopa County, Arizona, was first discovered by a miner named Henry Wickenberg. He had discovered a quartz deposit in the area and quite literally struck gold when he mined it. In 1863, Vulture City was established in the area, which became a small mining town. At one point, five thousand citizens lived there. I think this is like my dream Western living scenario, like an old mine town that yeah. turns into a ghost town. That's like my dream. That's, That's your shit. destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is my shit. Like, think Gate Ghost Town oh, in real life. I loved that. Like, I need a full saloon. I need it all. Ultra Mine became the most productive in Arizona, producing 340,000 ounces of gold and 260,000 ounces of silver in its span. While the mine was successful, the miners did not have very good lives. The working conditions were obviously dangerous, and there were often fights among the men. Once their shifts at the mines were over, they would often go back into town into the saloons or brothels. See? I want to go to a saloon. Shootouts, murder, and rape were. Whoa, yeah, I don't think you want to go to that one. (laughs) Shootouts, murder, and rape were unfortunately quite common in Vulture City. There was no warning at the beginning of this. (laughs) I'm sorry. Thieves were also rampant. Nearly everyone who lived there stole from the mines at some point. I would. I mine a piece, take a piece. You'd be like, (laughs) you'd be kissing (laughs) Kate Barlow. I would be. However, if you were caught, you were killed. Well, I wouldn't get killed because I'm going to get caught. The town did not have any official authorities, so punishments were taken out by vigilantes. Actually, I'd be a vigilante because I'd be kissing Kate Barlow vigilante style. Pick a
2: team. Pick a team.
1: Well, I'd be, I would be playing both of them like a fucking fiddle. And I, like, you know that one book that I read? Outlaw. Yeah, Yeah, I read that. That's the kind of life I'd be. I'd be like, boom, 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 and then steal, steal, steal. And then I'd be, boom, and everybody else has stole. So then I look like I'm the good guy, and I don't steal. (laughs) Good luck with that. There was a hanging tree right outside of Henry Wickenberg's house that these punishments would be carried out assay building where they kept the gold was a location that also saw a lot of shootouts rogue miners attempted to rob the building several times and on two occasions they were successful the mine was in operation from 1863 to 1942 it closed down during world war ii in order to conserve the resources needed for the war and it has been closed ever since what if there was still gold in there there probably was loki ultra city and the mine are now considered a ghost town they are privately owned, but they do offer a variety of tours, including general mission-guided tours and paranormal events. Okay, I have so many fucking questions. How does, What if there's still all those minerals in there? Why aren't we tapping in there? I don't know. Maybe it's too dangerous to do so now. Okay. Here's how it goes. I will go, and we will do a tour, and I will bring a little pickaxe. Okay. And I will disappear while you guys distract them. And I will go get us lots of monies, and then We'll give her a... How are we supposed to distract them? Run around with your shirt off. And oh, then... is
2: this going to be the first official time I that I show like, my titties to like, everyone?
1: Yeah, I've seen your titties before. You have seen my titties before.
0: Me too.
2: No, you
1: haven't.
0: No, I have not <laughs> I've seen Emily titties. More you've than seen,
1: seen Emmys. <laughs> you've seen my boobs. You've seen my butt. Any more questions? None. Okay, I love how I get so embarrassed when I'm puking. I'm like, don't look at me, I'm naked. But meanwhile, I'll have <laughs> you're right like literally
0: puking
1: everybody. Vulture <laughs> <laughs> Mine in the town is said to be home
2: to numerous ghosts. The most notorious ghost is the spirit of a man named Jimmy Davis. Jimmy was well known to be a hard worker, but that trait unfortunately ended up causing his demise. On the day of his death, one of the pulley systems in the mines malfunctioned. He got up on a ladder to fix it, but his arm got stuck in the belt of the machine. When he tried to get out, it only tightened before throwing him several feet up into the air with his arms still stuck. Damn. Yeah. His body hit several pieces of the heavy machinery, breaking nearly every bone in his body before he was ejected down hundreds of feet into the central mine shaft. Oh. That sucks. Uh Uh-huh. Unfortunately, he did not die right away. For five hours, he was down in that shaft crying out in pain and begging for help. That's terrible. He was too far down for help to safely retrieve him. Visitors claim that they can still hear his agonized screams echoing from out of the mines and even in some other locations on the property. The sound of the pulley whipping around can be heard, and Jimmy's spirit has been seen in various areas.
0: Damn, that was a downer.
2: Yeah, isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Talk about could, the wild, wild west. End. I could never work in a mine. Yeah, I would get hurt way too many times. Mm-hmm. I get hurt just simply walking.
1: Me too. <laughs>
2: The spirits of the thieves who were hanged at the hanging tree are often seen around the mines. Eighteen men were hung from that tree, and most of them were even buried there as well. Visitors claim to be harassed by these spirits, can hear footsteps running around them, and sometimes can even hear their name being called by a ghostly voice. There is also a group of ghostly thieves that died in a tragic accident over by an area named the Glory Hill. Not, <laughs> not what you guys are thinking. Perverts.
1: i inappropriate. <laughs>
2: This area was right at the head of the mine, and thieves would go over there at sunset to dig out the ore near the support beams. Over time, though, the beams weakened, and one day they collapsed. Seven men and 12 donkeys were caught in the rubble and died. Their bodies were unable to be retrieved, so their remains are still there. That poor donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Feelings of being watched, and unusual cold spots are reported in this area as well. Lastly, footsteps are commonly heard in various areas, as well as disembodied whispers and the sound of a phantom pickaxe. There you go. That's your cover. The phantom pickaxe? That's That's my already They're already thinking that they're hearing it, so they're not going to suspect anything when you're doing it. Right. There you
0: go. And when Brooke's running around with her titties out, no one's going to know anything.
2: They're going to be like, look (laughs) at those boobs.
1: They're (laughs) going to be like that lady I saw on on Twitter yesterday.
2: (laughs) You know what it'll be like? It'll be like that scene in It, Chapter Two with the old lady running.
1: And the titties are flying so loose. Oh my like, gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not in like a mean way, because my titties would do the same thing. That's <laughs> what would happen.
0: Vulture <laughs> Mine has a few moments in pop culture. Starting in 2010, there was an episode of Ghost Adventures in which the crew visited the mine during of course. their course. they they experience high emf readings strange sounds such as crashing banging footsteps screaming laughing and a piano being played light Mm. and anomalies a rock being thrown in the bordello an evp stating what's that get out i want your money and take the gold
2: damn there you go they're
0: giving you the
1: gold now. i will take it
0: (laughs) in 2012 the ghost Adventures crew revisited the mine in a special episode in 2015, there was an episode of Ghost Adventures Aftershocks in which they discussed their findings from their investigation of the location. Lastly, in 2017, Ryan and Chain from Buzzfeed Unsolved Supernatural visited. While there, they experienced strange shuffling sounds, whispers, and a door opening by itself.
2: Ghost Adventures was really beating that dead horse there.
0: Yeah. We did find one Reddit post about Vulture Mine posted 10 years ago by a user named Brown Oxford. They wrote, it's my first time posting here, and from reading the rules, I can't tell if I'm allowed to post a link to a YouTube video, so just to be safe, I will not. But I will let you know, the story I'm about to tell is quite true, and Vulture Mine is quite haunted. Ghost Hunter Season 4, Episode 7 was on the Vulture Mine. I was invited to go ghost hunting out at the Vulture Mine. Other people in attendance included the Ghost Hunters of AZ, and now Defunct Group, another private group of paranormal investigators, a few people who did it strictly as a hobby, a weird chick who claimed she could read the thoughts of animals and sense spiritual presences, and a few friends. That's a group right there. Mm -hmm. Equipment on hand included a thermal camera, ghost box, EMF detector, recorder, computers, motion sensing cameras, and all the basic camping essentials since we were staying the night out there. Vulture Mine is not open for camping, but I knew the mayor of Wickenburg at the time and we were able to pull some strings. The mayor and his wife even came out with us on what turned out to be a really awesome ghost hunt. We arrived at Vulture City around 2 in the afternoon. It was a very hot summer day. We were on the lookout for snakes and scorpions, mostly during our setup. We wanted to get all of our ghost hunting equipment set up in the hot spots before it got dark. Vulture City is comprised of several buildings in various states of dilapidation, a mess hall, an infirmary brothel, houses, old man Wickenberg's house, in the SA building two schoolhouses, as well as the mine itself, and a few other buildings. We had a lot to monitor. Fast forward to about 2 a.m., we decided to go have a look at our hotspots. One of our professional ghost hunter friends shared with us an EVP that he had picked up in the infirmary room on a prior ghost hunt. We could clearly hear a voice say, I am going to die. It was pretty chilling, and it definitely amped us up for the investigating we were about to do. We split up into a couple groups to check out our equipment, and I went with the group that headed to the infirmary. The infirmary was only an infirmary by day and at night it functioned as a brothel. Ladies who worked as nurses also worked at night during more brothelly type work. Needless to say, it was a very active area. We had a ghost box set up in there and our weird chick who claimed to be able to communicate with spirits, began asking questions. She started out like any ghost hunter would, and it wasn't long before we started getting responses. We learned that the being we were speaking with was a nurse lady of the night. She was not happy with her life while she was living She buried two children at Ultra City. She said she was worthless and a bad person. We had different people ask the same questions, and we continued to get the same answers. It was pretty spooky. Then we asked her name. Clear as day, the voice comes through the box and says, Satan. We all looked at each other pretty horrified, but wanting to continue, I asked again, what is your name? Again, the response came back, Satan. I would shit. So hard. I would
2: be like, time to
0: go. (laughs) I booked it the hell out of there. I left that group and went to join people who had guns. Yes, guns. I know guns don't protect against the ghost, but it made me feel safer nonetheless. The guns group was investigating cold spots in the SA building with their thermal camera. We were looking at an upstairs window at a spot registering at negative 19 degrees. It was eerily shaped like a human form. How on earth anything registered at negative 19 in the middle of an Arizona summer in the desert of Wickenburg, I will never know. It was obviously a ghost, no doubt about it. As we watched this cold spot through the thermal camera, it- casually made its way down the stairs and floated around the first floor, then went back to the upstairs window. I took a few pictures during this time, and I'm convinced I have some ghostly images on my hands. Perhaps I'll post my photos from this night in an update. I decided to go check on the third group of people who were in the kitchen and mess hall. This is a very large building with a large kitchen, a separate room for eating, and a couple smaller rooms that were probably pantries or something similar back in the old days. The kitchen area is walled off from the other rooms and separated by a heavy wooden door that we had left completely open that night. I was in the kitchen area by myself. The rest of the group were in the other rooms. I felt a very cold breeze blow by me and the heavy wooden door slowly swung shut, making the most ghostly creaking sound you can imagine. I attempted to run for my life. The kitchen has two exit doors. One leads to a patio where the awning above has collapsed, leaving the patio a big mess of rubble. The other door leads to a clean exit. In the dark of the night and in my panic state, I ran for the wrong door. Hence, the attempt to run for my life. I flung the door open and it was the wrong door. I had to run all the way across the kitchen to get out the correct door. I was screaming like a person who just saw a ghost because I had, in fact, just seen a ghost. And the other people in the mess hall came to the kitchen to see why I'm freaking out. I told them what had just happened. They all had a good laugh at me trying to escape. Then we noticed a huge scorpion crawling across the floor. We had lots of fun and lots of experiences that were possible ghost encounters that night. I can't wait to go back and do it again.
2: No. I would shoot my pants <laughs> if I saw a scorpion. Literally. <laughs> Met
1: with the S word.
2: Yeah. For my book Crew moment, I'm going to tell you guys about the Bat Squatch. So this is an article by Jesse Ropers, and it says, For many years now, Bigfoot has been a staple of Pacific Northwest iconography. This furry face can be found on everything from cheaply printed t-shirts to keychains and magnets and countless gift shops throughout Oregon. However, Sasquatch is but the tip of the iceberg when it comes to legends that make the Portland region what it is today. One of the more memorable and unique tales from the leftover cryptids is the winged horror dubbed the Bat Squatch. In order to understand the origins of Bat Squatch, we must go back several decades to an event that shook a generation. At 1237 on March 27, 1980, the top of Mount St. Helens exploded. A phreatic eruption sent a 10,000-foot plume of ash into the air, scattering debris as far as Bend to the south and Spokane to the north. March 27th would prove to be the dramatic beginning to a string of activity from St. Helens. Earthquakes, further eruptions, and lightning storms raged throughout the area for months. All these events culminated on May 18th when a magnitude 5.1 earthquake triggered part of the volcano onto the largest landslide in recorded history. An avalanche of rock moving at 115 miles per hour poured over the land, covering some regions in 600 feet of stone. The corresponding eruption column rose 80,000 feet into the air, burying the surrounding area in two to five inches of ash. This time, particles traveled far further, with half an inch of ash spreading across an area from North Mexico to Minnesota. The 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens was the most destructive volcanic activity in the continental U.S. since 1915. Fifty-seven people were killed, with hundreds left displaced, and untold more left forever changed from the events. In this bed of trauma, with ash clouds still drifting through the air, stories began to emerge of a strange winged beast seen flying around the eruption site. Witnesses described an ape-like body with large leathery wings and a pair of glowing red eyes. Despite an abundance of sightings, there were no concrete encounters with the beast. Fourteen years would pass before the first close encounter was reported. In April of 1994, Brian Canfield was driving home one night through the backwoods of Pierce County, Washington. He was miles from civilization when suddenly his car froze in place. Canfield tried to start the engine several times, but the old pickup refused to come to life. He was on the verge of getting out to take a closer look when something swooped across his headlights. At first, he assumed it must have been some large bird. His hand was on the door handle when the monster landed on the vehicle's hood. Canfield described the creature as standing nine feet tall with a bat's face and wings attached to a blue-furred humanoid body. He noted the large fangs in the creature's mouth and glowing red eyes. Here is what Canfield reported in an interview with the News Tribune in Tacoma, Washington in 1994. It was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt out of place. It's looking right at me like in a deep stare, like right through me. It's standing perfectly still. It stood for how long? A few minutes. Several minutes. Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. It turned its head and looked back at me and started flapping its wings. A few minutes later, the truck just started. I took off as fast as I could.
1: Sounds like Jeepers Creepers.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, it kind of does. It does. C.R. Roberts of the News Tribune interviewed Brian Canfield on his experiences with the creature and would later publish an article detailing his story. Using Canfield's description, Roberts would be the first to dub the sighted monstrosity of "bat-squatch" due to the combination of bat features with the already popular legend of Sasquatch. Canfield's account would spread the story across the Pacific Northwest. Afterwards, more locals would step forward with their own sightings of Basquatch, including local liquor store owner, Butch Whitaker. Whitaker claimed to have seen Batsquatch during a midday flight in his personal plane over the area Canfield had been driving. According to him, Batsquatch had flown beside him for several minutes before turning and disappearing from view. After 1994, sightings of Batsquatch slowed as the article that propelled the story into the public consciousness faded from memory. Despite this, more stories have emerged in the years since. In 1998, an anonymous trucker hauling logs in northern Oregon claimed to have hit the bat Batsquatch. The trucker contrasted Canfield's original account by describing the creature as 15 feet tall with purple nose and eyes and tiny wings. In 2009, a group of hikers were making their way up Mount Shasta when they reported seeing a flying humanoid creature with bat-like features. They described what they saw as a man as stocky as Hulk Hogan with leathery wings 50 feet from one end to the other in the face of a bat. Despite the conflicting details, both accounts have been added to the legend of Bat Batsquatch's additional proof. Bat Squatch fits into a wider trend of winged legends when examined alongside other stories found around the world. Mothman and the Jersey Devil are two more famous flying cryptids found here in the U.S. More bat-like parallels can be found in legends like Indonesia's Orang Bati and New Guinea's Ahul. The reason for these worldwide similarities in tales are unknown. Perhaps it's to do a subterranean race of flying ape creatures looking in primordial slumber until natural disasters knock them loose to fly through the night once more. Or far more realistically, there is some innate fear of monsters coming from the sky derived from predator birds. Either way, it's fun to think of a bizarre winged bat creature flying above the treetops like something out of a horror story. And then it just goes on to list uh, some of the like the pop culture-y stuff that they do with bat squash in that area.
0: That's spooky.
2: Yeah. Aww. Super fun. Super fun.
1: Back to Vulture Mine. What do you think about it? I think it's sad and I'd like to go visit. I agree. I would like to go, but I don't know if I want to be messing with scorpions. No.
0: Yeah. But... I wouldn't
1: mess with a scorpion. No say, one might did... look,
2: that fucker would come for me.
1: If you step on I think you're okay. But you got that hard shoot shoe so it doesn't go through your foot. Yeah, that's true. Imagine that crunch.
2: Ew. (laughs) I don't like that.
0: Now Brooke's not going.
2: (laughs) No, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) (sighs) Next week, we're talking about five different haunted objects.
0: Oh, I'm excited about this.
2: You better be excited. Haunted slash cursed. That's my idea. Yeah, that was your idea. I mean, you're right.
0: What are your thoughts on today's topic? Did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you, so please DM us. Don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at boo.busters.podcast. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend. Tell them to hop on the Boo Crew Train. (laughs)
2: Choo-choo! Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye! Bye. Peace out.